If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. My name is Tim Young. And I'm Jay Mayock. Really glad to have Jay back here with us, picking up on the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And we're doing this because we've been through several podcasts where we've talked about the soul, we've talked about the death state, how it's like a sleep or unconsciousness. And the Bible seems very consistent and clear about that. But every once in a while, we run into a passage that causes us to rethink that or kind of think, why why is it there? Why is it why is it say that way? Because it doesn't really seem to jive with the rest of the Bible. And this is one of those places in scripture and kind of stops and really makes us furrow our foreheads, yep. as it were, is this uh, particular parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Now I know you've looked at this quite a bit, Jay, so I wanted to have you here on the podcast so we can talk about this and kind of make sense of this as we've seen with the rest of the other scripture. I think you probably agree in saying it's one of the most misunderstood parables that Jesus ever spoke. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it may be, especially when we might talk to fellow Bible students about the state of the dead and uh, the state of the soul, as you've done in other podcasts, this this might be one of the first ones that come up. Right. This particular parable, the rich man and Lazarus, and the experience of this rich man uh, in Hades, as it says, and the experience of Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. But I think one of the first things to understand about uh, really not just this parable, but about any parable, is that parables have two purposes. And that's one of the most helpful things to think about. When the the disciples asked Jesus why it was that he spoke in parables. Jesus gave two answers. And he said, and they weren't conflicting answers, they're complementary answers. And he says that parables have two purposes. They're given essentially to conceal or to reveal divine teaching. To conceal or to reveal. Yep. He said it's it's given unto you, to the disciples, Jesus okay, said, yeah. to know yep. the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Right. But to them it is not given. I see what you mean. Okay. To the disciples, it was these things were revealed. The meaning of the parables, the interpretation of the parables were revealed, but there are others who didn't stick around to hear what it was that Jesus meant by them. They weren't interested in the spiritual teaching. That they couldn't was, be bothered. They couldn't be bothered. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And there are difficult things. They were difficult for the disciples themselves to understand these things. And they can be tricky for us as well. So we're in very good company, I think, if we find them uh, challenging. But, you know, when you think about some of the other parables, and we might have heard of a couple of these, like the parable of the sower, which actually... Yeah, oh yeah. Right? And, and that, that particular parable is the one that made the disciples ask, why is it that you're speaking to them in parables? Right. Where that question came from. You know what Jesus says, if you don't understand this parable, then how can you understand any of the That's parables? exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So when we come to something like the rich man and Lazarus, it, it can be a challenge, and that's, and that's quite all right. So the sower, the parable of the sower, it's yeah. not about farming right? It's not? It's not about farming, naturally speaking. Um, I don't know a whole lot about farming. Um, I married into a farming family. Yeah. I still don't know very much about natural farming. <laughs> but I do know that if you farm like the sower yeah. sows in the Gospel of Matthew or uh, in Mark or in Luke, you're not going to be in business for very long because you're sowing on you know, the, the pathway where people walk. Hard, yeah. Oh. 
uh, among oh, thorns, the stones, stones, yeah. you're going to be out of business. And, and if you just have not a, very fertile, no, no, it's not about farming. It's I not, see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. It's not yeah. about farming. And it's, parable, it's absurd to farm like that. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to farm yeah, like that. That's you, you, kind of the point, I guess. And that is the point. Yeah. And so Jesus, he brings up these very familiar experiences with which people would have had much to do in their daily lives or things that they had heard about in their daily lives. And Jesus builds parables off of them. The parable of the lost sheep is not about shepherding because you'd never, if you had a hundred sheep, leave 99 behind to go find one sheep. <laughs> if you put it, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So these parables contain these literal absurdities, things that would be ridiculous if they naturally, if they were speaking about the natural narrative there. And so the rich man of Lazarus is not what it appears to be on the surface either. Okay. And just, just like the sower, just like the lost sheep. And one of the ways that we see that, like no matter what we think about the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, because in this particular parable, Jesus presents the rich man. In verse 24 of Luke chapter 16, we'll go through the whole parable in a moment, but just have a look at verse 24. Think about this. The rich man calls out and says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. So in this parable, in this particular story that Jesus gives, the rich man has has lived a life of luxury and he's died and now he's suffering in fiery eternal torments. And he's just asking for a little drop of water to cool his tongue. Mm -hmm. It's pretty ridiculous, naturally speaking. So this is what you're saying, the absurdity of it, yeah. of it all. It's kind of an earmark of a, a parable. Of a parable. That's exactly that right. This isn't reality. Exactly. He's yeah. saying here. So there's, there is a spiritual lesson that's being taught here and a very powerful one that the audience uh, would hear at this particular time, but we, we need to have a look at the context in order to kind of figure that out. Yeah, because when you were saying that it's a parable, it doesn't really say it's a parable. It just the story just start, starts out and says there was a rich man who was clothed in purple, blah blah blah, right? right. But yeah. it doesn't say it. But in the context, this is how we often introduce parables. You didn't say this is a parable, and he starts talking. But this whole context goes back into a confrontation with the Pharisees and. You could see it back all the way back in chapter 14 and verse 1. But it really, the parables really against them start in chapter 15. And it said, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. And right. it starts with a that parable you mentioned of the the sheep, the lost sheep, right? And yep. he goes through a parable of the lost coin. He goes through the parable of the prodigal son. Then in chapter 16, it starts, and he said to the disciples, there was a rich man. And so there's this parable of a dishonest manager, and it starts the same way right. that this rich man and Lazarus parable starts. This there is was the language a, of parable. This yeah. is the language of parable. So the introduction keys you that this is the language of, of parables. But all of these parables are centered on the Pharisees. And it comes out again at the end of the parable of the dishonest manager in verse 14. It says, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. Like they knew it was against exactly. them. Yeah, and they, they, were, they were spitting mad. Yes, they were. <laughs> Coming back and, and ridiculing him for 
saying these things uh, about them. And so when we come to the the parable of the rich man Lazarus, there's this whole context here where you you have to see that this is really a a parable about Jesus contending with uh, the Pharisees. So he presents really the parable against them. Yes, and that's that's one of the the keys to understanding the parable of the rich man and Lazarus and any of the other parables in context here is to understand that Jesus has the Pharisees in mind here. And ultimately the Pharisees would come face to face just like they did in the other parables with themselves in this parable. Right. They would have to identify with somebody in this parable even if they didn't like really it. like it. <laughs> that's exactly right. And so um, it wasn't just the Pharisees. We'll talk about the Pharisees in just a moment, but it was also the Sadducees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the time who really did take the time to make sure that people knew that they were religious. When they prayed, they quite often did it out in the open. Right. When they fasted, everybody knew about it because they made their faces look like they were really hungry and struggling because they had gone without food for so long. When they tithed, they would make sure that they gave 10% of absolutely everything all the way down to um, your parsley, <laughs> right. essentially, the right? Mint and cumin. That's, a, that's exactly right. All the way down to the very, the very bottom. But they were also very self-justified and they looked down on other people. They were, by Jesus, regularly rebuked for their blindness and their hypocrisy. And they were driven by their desire to be noticed and admired by other people. Right. These are not just our reflections on just what we read about them. This is explicitly what the Bible says that they were and why Jesus was so hard on them, really, right. in his teaching. So maybe we can just have a look at uh, Luke chapter 18, seeing that we're in Luke. We'll just have a look a couple passages over. As we said, the context has everything to do with Jesus contending with the religious leaders, the Pharisees. So let's look at chapter 18, uh, beginning at verse 9. And just look at what it says there. So this is Jesus telling this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And it says, Jesus gives this parable now. And if you're thinking about somebody who trusts that they're righteous and they treat other people with contempt, you're going to choose one particular kind of religious leader at that time. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. Tax collectors who were quite often... Despised. Oh, despised, and and not very nice people. Mm. Um, Extortioners. Yeah. um, As well. So the Pharisees didn't like them for many reasons. As even we wouldn't appreciate that in people today. Verse 11, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And then he goes on to give God his resume of righteousness. (laughs) He says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that expression of the the tax collector there was something that would lead to him being justified before God rather than this self-justified Pharisee praying with himself, it says there. So these were the Pharisees that Jesus is speaking about. They looked down on other people known for their tithing and fasting, but they did believe in some of the essential teachings of scripture. 
And one of those has to do with the resurrection of the dead. They believe that. Right. The Pharisees did. But it wasn't just the Pharisees who were leaders of the people of, uh, of the Jews at that particular day. There were others who were more kind of politically expedient and who took their power from uh, Rome and who actually had their offices, their jobs, their positions in Israel appointed by the Romans. And those had to do with the people who were installed by the Romans as high priest. The Sadducees. The Sadducees. Talking about. Yeah. yeah. So the high priests, they were part of the, this uh, sect, the leaders of the Jews called Sadducees, who were quite different from the Pharisees. Right. Now, they were the ones that were the more kind of upper class. They were a very rich class. Mm -hmm. And they, they had all the, the power, as, as you were saying, in, in the association with uh, the high priest. Yep. And so they seem to come out in this parable as well, too. Yes. The, the emphasis on, on clothing being in purple and, yes. and fine linen and the, the very rich part of it and against the poor man. Yeah. Pharisees and Sadducees, I mean, Jesus condemned both of them, right? Because they were, he warned against their their type of teaching and how they said they relied just on that they were the seed of Abraham. They relied on the, the natural kind of descendancy of Abraham rather than the spiritual descendancy from from Abraham. Yeah. It, the most interesting thing I think about the Sadducees is we learn from Scripture, and this is in Luke chapter 20. Again, it's in Luke, Luke chapter 20 and verse 27. It says, it, there came to him some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection. So that's quite different than the Pharisees. Very so, different. This this class wouldn't believe what was the main point uh, about this about this parable. Yes, kind of the implication of that is that they just live for the day. I mean, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you just believe that you live your life and mm -hmm. you're given a name for that that time period. Then you just you just live for today, and that's why they put their emphasis on riches and and, and those kind of things. And, eat drink, uh, eat drink, and. Be merry. So <laughs> that was the Sadducee. It's so quite different from the Pharisees. They shared power in the Jewish ruling body at that particular time. Yeah, but they were very different people. Well, that gives us kind of the background. Uh, yes, about this this parable. Maybe we should read it. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Yeah, and kind of uh, go into it. Yeah, let's jump in. Wait. So this is in Luke chapter sixteen, and we'll begin reading at verse nineteen. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And so when the Pharisees heard this, Tim, do you think the Pharisee would say, hey, that's definitely me? No, they weren't. No. That was a Sadducee class. That was the in. Sadducee thing. Yeah. The rich man, purple, fine linen, feasting every day. Yes. Yeah. So that wasn't the fair. They fasted. They the fasted. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the purple and fine linen, if we look throughout scripture, um, we won't turn up the passage, but it's in Exodus 28 and 5. There was one particular person who wore purple and fine linen, and that was the high priest. Mm hmm. We're not met with um, someone who the Pharisees necessarily could readily identify with. This is someone quite different. This is a Sadducee here who is, would better fit the uh, description that's given here. And it says in verse 20 that at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. And moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. And so this character here, it's interesting because Jesus 
spoke so often to the people in parables, and he never ever names anyone in any of his parables, except in this parable. That makes it unique too. Yeah. It's very unique. So many unique things about this parable. Yeah. And that's uh, and that's one. So this man's name is Lazarus. And in this parable that Jesus gives in verse 22, it says that the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers. You know, it's really interesting too, about the five brothers here. This rich man who now has, in the parable, has been carried by the angels, descended into Hades. He's got five brothers. That fits a very special Sadducee at that particular time. And it fits the high priest very well, who also had um, five brothers. Hmm. And he, in this particular parable, for I have five brothers so that, he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. That's super interesting as well, because Sadducees, they don't believe in the resurrection. Right. So how powerful that this particular man in the parable, this rich man who has died, please convince my family, I know that if a resurrected person goes they'd be able to repent at that time because they didn't believe in the resurrection at all. He said to them, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So we've talked so far about, you talk quite a bit about how the context here is everything about the Pharisees. And on the surface, this parable seems to be another condemnation of the Pharisees. But the rich man in this parable, just like you said, couldn't be a Pharisee. Right. The Pharisee didn't feast sumptuously every day. He fasted. The Pharisee didn't wear purple and fine linen. or uh, That was something that the priest did. I think the Pharisees probably would have loved this parable because they would have gotten off the hook, it seems. This one didn't, on the surface, seem to be directed at them at all. Um, this had the hallmark of a Sadducee as the emblem of it. The villain of this parable was the high priest, a Sadducee. And those Sadducees, those Pharisees would think, wouldn't repent. They wouldn't change their lives around. They wouldn't change their minds, even if someone came back from the dead to convince them. And I think the Pharisees certainly would have agreed with that for sure. It's interesting that, as we mentioned, if we have this particular rich man here being a symbol of the Sadducees, we're also given that other character in this parable named Lazarus. And why was it that the name Lazarus was so important to the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the giver of this parable? Well, that's because he actually raised somebody named Lazarus. Yeah. So that's, uh, 
it's exactly it's in John right. 11, right? And yep. If if you go there, that's that's really really interesting. Like you said, I just thinking about how Lazarus is the only person is actually named in a parable, and then you actually have this incident where Lazarus was a, a very close friend with the Lord Jesus Christ. Him and his Lazarus's sisters, uh, Mary and Martha. Yep. So we're introduced to them in different parts of the gospel, but we read in John chapter 11 how Lazarus fell sick, and Jesus actually waited right. to go. He did. He did, and he it almost he waited on purpose for Lazarus to die because yeah. he knew what he was going to do. But it's really, I think, really interesting that when this happens, no, there's no mention of the the parable, right, amongst his grieving sisters when yes. his grieving sisters come out it's it's very powerful they it's in John 11 and it's in verse 21 Martha Lazarus's sister comes out to Jesus and says Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died but even now I know that whatever you ask from God God will give you and Jesus said to her your brother will rise again and Martha said to him I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And so there's no talk about Lazarus being beside Abraham's side or any of what's in the the parable. It's very clear and concise and consistent what we've seen in other scriptures. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. On the last exactly. day. Yeah. Right. So clear. When Jesus is, raises Lazarus from the dead, he's doing it as a sign or power, the authority that's been given to him to, by God of what he's going to do in the, the last days. And, and as he says, not just to, to resurrection, to eternal life in the last days. Right. right. And so... In terms of the parable, that's really interesting. Yes. But it's even more interesting about how the Pharisees and Sadducees respond because they follow the parable to a T, as yes. it were. So it's really interesting at the at the end here, it's in verse 45, I think, where we want to pick it up. It yes. just said, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And what had Jesus done? You'd raise Lazarus. Right, exactly. Right? It's incredible. So they're they're coming back and they're just astounded and they're I don't know what they're expecting from the Pharisees. But what happens is in verse 53, it they plan, so from that day on, they, that is the Pharisees and Sadducees, together, together made plans to put him to death. Now they made plans to put Jesus to death, but not just Jesus, but Lazarus as well. And that's the crazy thing. So that's in the next chapter, right? Yes. In in chapter 12 and verses 9 through 11, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Yeah. The Sadducees, because they didn't believe in a resurrection. Right. But they, they were in league with the Pharisees. Yep. So both of them fit this parable back in, in Luke. It's it's hand in glove. It, it is hand in glove. When you think about this particular parable, 
we suggested how it was that the Pharisees must have relished a parable about a Sadducee in Hades. But even the Pharisees, who believed in a future resurrection, rejected the witness of a risen man named Lazarus. And then they condemned Jesus to death. And Jesus rose again. So the Pharisees were revealed to be no better than the Sadducees, who they so passionately despised. The Pharisees were more like the rich man in the parable than they ever thought they could be. Because when they mm. heard that parable at first, they would yeah. have thought, that's not us, that's the Sadducee. That yeah. rich man who feasts sumptuously every day, purple and fine linen, that's got to be a Sadducee, rejecting the witness of a resurrected person. We believe in the resurrection. But then finally, Jesus did resurrect somebody named Lazarus back to them. And they rejected the witness of Lazarus, which was the witness of Jesus Christ. And then they condemned Jesus to die with yeah. the Sadducees. So they were more like that rich man in the parable than they ever thought that they could be. And so I think to sum up, Tim, the parable is not about the death state itself. Can we just take a moment here, though? Because when you go back and you read that parable, of course, like you said, it is absurd and everything like that. Yes. But why does Jesus speak like that? I mean, it's in a parable, but yep. to me, he's taken something that's commonly known amongst them and kind of turning it on its head and using it against them. Right. And there was beliefs even in those days, especially influenced by more by Greek philosophy right. than the Bible itself, that had you know the Aleutian fields and Hades. That was that was Greek belief. Sure, all those kind of things. So it almost seems like Jesus, in this very specific instance, this parable is is using some very commonly known ideas during his time, mm -hmm. but using them against the Pharisees and and Sadducees. As, as a teaching tool, as a parable. Absolutely. Right? And we shouldn't get tripped up on it. Like you said, no. it's not it's not really a parable about the real death state. Exactly. Right. That, that's exactly true. I think that's a real key here. I mean, the disciples had beliefs that Jesus needed to, to redirect and to correct. They walked by a man who's born blind near the temple. And they said, who sinned? that this man was born this way. Did this man sin that he was born this way or his parents? And so they had this view that, yeah. that a man could suffer for a particular sin that he hadn't yet committed. I, I mean, it's such, a, it's such a strange teaching, and Jesus had to deal with that. So yeah. he, but he, he, in John 11, he, he dealt with it, and we exactly. see that, that what they really believed uh, right. about the death state and about the resurrection exactly. of the dead was nothing like, like this, right? And in no parable. In, in plain in plain sight as, as he's actually comforting a family who's mourning the death of yeah. one of their friends yeah. whom Jesus loved as well. It's a very rich parable as you've been going through it. So like you said, it's not about the death state, but there are lessons there for us. Yes, that's exactly right. When we look at it in the context of, of the men to whom Jesus was directing it, it's about how the Jewish leaders had become so self-righteous like the Pharisees and self-interested like the Sadducees, that they rejected the message of not one, but of two resurrected men. Oh, yeah. Of Lazarus first, yes. and then of the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, himself, who yeah. rose again from the dead. So the challenge for us is really, where do we stand if we reject that message today? And so we have to come to terms with the fact that whatever it is that we do understand about what it is that God has asked us to do and commanded us to do and informed us about in his word. We have to make sure that we're, we're following after those things 
And uh, the second epistle of Peter really contains a, a wonderful summary verse for this. And it talks about those who initially had received the truth and had turned from it and rejected it. And it says, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. And that's that's really the lesson for these who would reject the Lord Jesus Christ and, and for any of us who would reject based on the knowledge that we know. But just before we end, I don't want to end just on that note. Because <laughs> even though we had the Sadducees and the Pharisees joined together at this particular time to reject the witness of two resurrected men, there was mm. one particular Pharisee who did not consent to what it was that the rulers of the Jews did at that time in condemning the Lord Jesus Christ. And his name is recorded in scripture for us. And his name is Nicodemus. Mm. And he was a Pharisee who all the way, who is the disciple who came to Jesus by night. And all the way through the gospel of John, we get three times where he, yeah. he comes into the record. One, yeah. where he comes to Jesus by night and Jesus teaches him, he meets him where he is. Uh, one time where his his courage kind of comes out in the midst of all of the Jewish leaders and says, well, we can't really do this to this Jesus of Nazareth because the law wouldn't allow us to do this. And he's rebuked for that. And then yeah. finally, the last time we see him, he's receiving him, having been taken down from the cross and helping him to be buried. I mean, and, and to associate yourself yeah. with with this man at that particular time was a very dangerous thing to do. Right. But based upon what he knew he he knew he had to reject the example of his of his peers at that particular time and follow the lord jesus christ no matter what it cost him so there's a wonderful challenge at the end of this and there's also a wonderful hope in someone like nicodemus he's able to take the lesson of this parable see it for what it was and to follow the lord right thanks jay i found that very helpful and very uh really turns out to be a very neat parable and just kind of very instructive and and helpful, very practical. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. If you'd like to share the podcast with those who are technically challenged, we've made some easy step-by-step instructions on how to listen on either an Apple or Android device. So just use this easy link, www.essentialbiblestudies.org help. That's on our website, www.essentialbiblestudies.org help. And while you're there, fill out the contact form and say hi. We love feedback. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.